Hey everyone, welcome to Radiant 17. Happy Pentecost. Yes, we're right in the midst of Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, and it is a feast about presenting our first fruits from our harvest that has just been harvested. We're offering the first fruits to God. It's about a celebration of life, it's about celebrating life that is thriving. Uh, the Bible says that. Uh, it pleases the father for us to bear much fruit and that he takes us through seasons of pruning. He'll prune us and causes those areas in us to die. But those things are being pruned and they're in the process of dying is happening that we at the right season would bear an abundance of fruit. And you can sometimes have, if you're in the agriculture or farmers, sometimes they'll have a better season than other seasons. Like the harvest, just the fruit was bigger or it was just more juicy or there was just more of it. Sometimes it's just the way we cultivate uh, the ground or till our ground or get our ground ready to receive that seed and harvest it. But Pentecost is about sell, about life thriving. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that more abundantly. And that same scripture in John 10, 10, it says the devil comes to kill, steal and destroy. And some of you, the devil has stole from. He has killed things. He's tried to he's he's tried to destroy your dreams and kill your life. And 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 the Lord says it's time time out for that. It's time out for that completely. It's time for you to lay hold and trust Jesus all the way through because all that you are, all that you're going to be is hidden in Christ Jesus. And so it's time to live that life in Christ Jesus. And he says, I come to give you life and that more abundantly. But if you choose not to choose Jesus, then you are subject to a life of the enemy stealing, killing and destroying. And that's not God's plan for you. So I, I encourage you choose Jesus. But the, the, the feast of Pentecost is about thriving. It's about life. It's about taking the life that has broken forth, that has come forth, and we're presenting it to God saying, God, we honor you. We, we bless you. And I love that because Jesus was the first fruit of them that rose from the grave. And he was presented to the father as a lamb that was slain. And because of that, all of creation sings a new song. You know, worthy is the lamb who is slain, who has redeemed us all as kings and priests under our God. And so Jesus was presented unto the father as the first fruits of them that slept. And then what? As he came into his kingdom, the father sends his approval by sending the Holy Spirit and fire on the day of Pentecost to fill us with what we like to say, Jesus unlimited. Amen. And so from that point on, we can run and be little Jesus is all over the earth. I won't say little Jesus. I'll say we'll just be Jesus is all over the earth because there's nothing little about Jesus. Um, and so that's what Pentecost is about. It's about a celebration of life, celebrating life in that more abundantly. So Jesus came to give you that. And so as we are just in the midst of that, I just would encourage you that the heavens are open even that much more lean in and really pray and seek him because there's something to get. There's something to pull down here on earth as it is in heaven, he is such a good father and he is ready to do the things that he is desiring to do. And I know that there's a mighty outpouring. I know that he's pouring out his spirit upon the earth. He wants the earth to be filled with not just the knowledge of his glory, but glory tangibly manifesting off of his children. He wants every one of his children. They We've been conditioned and retrofitted 
to carry the glory of God, to carry it, to carry it all the way around the world so people could see that the Lord is good. Just want to continue on as I was sitting there thinking, I was thinking about the scripture in Hebrews eleven six that says. Without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and to please him. I love this particular version, the Amplified, because the regular King James or other versions say it's impossible without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so here it says here without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. And I and I really believe that this here really opens it up even deeper when you think about it. We when we said yes to Jesus, we got invited on a walk. And this walk was a walk we're going to walk through life with him. And it requires faith to walk with God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. There are things that a God's going to ask you to do. There are things that he is going to say to you that's going to require you to reach out with the hands of faith, with the eyes of faith, with your spiritual senses, as opposed to the natural senses. It is in that walk, too, that you're going to learn how to marry both the senses, the natural and the spiritual senses together, that they would function as one. As we are moving closer and closer to becoming more like Jesus, we walk more with a oneness like he did. But early on, we are learning to trust him. We're learning that that process to come to that oneness. And so a lot of times it is a challenge for us to ch choose to walk by faith or walk by our senses. And a lot of times because we are creatures of habit, we are used to walking by what we know, what is familiar. And faith is something that's a little challenging because what God may be asking you, you cannot see it, but yet he's asking you to believe it. What is it to walk in faith? It is to not only see the thing that is in heaven, in the spirit realm, and see it with your physical, your uh, your your eyes of faith, and know that that which you're seeing is the Father's will for it to be done here on earth, as it is in heaven. It is also that you would know that the Father is in control, and that His plan is good, and that His hand is upon your life. And as you are trusting Him, you will never by yourself. When I think of walking with God, I always think of Enoch. Enoch is one of my favorite people. Because the Bible says that he walked with God and then he pleased him. And that was one of the things that I always wanted. I always wanted to please God. I always wanted to just that he would be pleased. And I, I'll tell you, there was an encounter one night that I had. I was laying in bed and I remember laying in bed and just talking to the Lord sometimes. And the Lord came down that one night and said to me, you please me so much right now. I would take you in this moment. And I was like, I was shook. I didn't know what to say because here I am only been a couple of years saved. I mean, to me, I haven't done nothing. I haven't done anything great or anything that I think that I would need to earn, you know, that type of uh, response from God. But you don't. The fact that you said yes makes God so happy. He is so pleased to be reunited with you. It's like that story of the prodigal son. Him just doing all the messed up things he did. He comes back and he's thinking, I'll just be a servant. And, and right when he's getting ready to blurt it out, the father grabs him and said, and just says, you are my son. Go get, go get my son the best clothes. He put the ring on it. He was not going to let him settle for nothing less than being a son. And that's how our father is. That's a picture of who our father is, that he is such a father that he would say something like that and 
it just it 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 changed my paradigm. It shifted me. It taught me that it wasn't jumping through all these hoops that brought you know pleasure to God, but that God was pleased with my faith in receiving Him. That my faith alone, just loving on Him and just receiving Jesus as my personal Savior, was enough for Him to take me home at that moment. But I have a lot of work to do, so I'm still here, and I can't do that. And so. Amen. So we're here and we're going to be here until Jesus says something different. Amen. Amen. We're going to keep moving. But faith. So this journey of faith, this walk of faith requires faith. It requires us to have faith in God. It requires us to believe that he is because that's the next part of the scripture. You must believe that he is or you must believe that God, who God says he is, that's who he is. If he says he's healer, you need to believe he's healer. If he's a deliverer, you need to believe he's a deliverer. If he's the all-powerful, if he's the almighty, if he's the all-knowing, uh, if he if he is the master of the universe, whatever God has said he is, that's what you need to believe. Because the scripture says you must believe that he is. You must believe that he is Alpha and Omega. He is the, he is the beginning and the end. He is the last say. So if your doctor tells you you got six months to live, you got to tell your doctor, well, I'm going to go see what Dr. Jesus says about that because he has a last say on my life, not you. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'll say amen myself. That's the truth. So when we come to Jesus, we, we must believe that he is and that he can. You know, it isn't enough to believe that, well, God, we believe you are a healer. But do you believe he can heal you? Do, I, do you believe he wants to heal you in this moment? Do you believe that he can do the impossible? It isn't enough to say, oh, Lord, I know you can. I know that you that's your name and this is who you are. It's another thing to say, I know you can. How do you know he can? You know it from the things that he's done in your life already. The things that you've heard in other people's lives, the testimonies. That's how we know. And that's why we need to surround our life constantly with testimonies. I'm going to get back to that. Hold on to that because... There's something in that that I'm going to address that needs to be something that we surround ourselves in. So as we go on, we're going to get to these three characters in the, in the Bible that had a challenge and they had to walk by faith. They had to push past whatever they were facing with faith. I like to look at faith as the vehicle that gets us where we need to go. And we got to get in and hope is the gas. I love that. There's no saying that says hope is the work horse of faith. If you don't have no hope, you can't believe. So a lot of times when we're praying, God, I want to be able to have faith again. You, you want to ask that God, give me hope again. Let me put my hope in you. And so a lot of times when God is giving you revelation of his word, because the Bible says faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God, his word is not only giving you faith, but it's giving you hope too. Because hope, your hope tank, long as your hope tank is full and it's pumping, you will continue to believe. You'll continue to stand. You'll continue to see this thing through. Amen. Let's look at our first person that we want to look at tonight. This lady was a woman who had a, a physical problem. She, she had an issue. She had a bleeding problem. She was constantly bleeding, constantly bleeding. And she could not figure out what was wrong. The Bible calls it, she had an issue of blood problem where she was constantly bleeding. And she had been to this doctor. She had been to this person. She had been to that person. She had been all over the place. She had spent all her money 
and none of these people lived up to their expectation. Can you imagine listening to an infomercial on TV and you got a problem, you got a, a, an illness and they're saying, here, just take these pills here and these pills here will do this and do that for you. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to take those pills. And you do that. And then you're, you still have the same problems or this per your friends give you a card and says, Hey, I know this person that's got these, uh, this, uh, this natural herb that you could take and it will do this. And then you take the herb and it doesn't do anything. And you're, constantly being led into disappointment right after another disappointment. That's this woman's story. She was disappointed every time she leaned on anything that was other than God. Because Jesus don't fail. And so she just continued, continued because why? She wanted to be healed. There are some of you out there that really want to be healed, but don't know how to get healed. That is so true. And sometimes in people's addictions, a lot of times we say, oh, they just want to do this. No, no. There are some people that really don't want to be addicted. They really want to be free. They just don't know how. They've been to this treatment center. They've been to that treatment center. They've been over here and they've been looking and searching for this, this, this thing that would get this monkey off their back. But the Bible says this, that the anointing destroys the yoke and set the captive free. It is the anointed one that they need to be, that needs to be descended in their life. The number one of Jesus needs to come in their life and break that yoke that's on them, move that burden off their shoulders. It is he who is the healer. He that is the anointed one that can do that. And until they hear, or until they come into the knowledge that Jesus can do it, they will be in search of healing, deliverance, or being free, or always wanting to be free, but feeling trapped. So this woman is on her journey, and she's having to live with this, man. She lived with this for 12 years. Can you imagine living, bleeding constantly? You know, just thinking that maybe I'm just going to die this way. That maybe there is no life. There's some of you out there that have lost hope. Have lost hope that maybe no one can really help me. There's not a person that can help me. I got so many things that are going wrong and I've no one can help me until Jesus. The Bible says that this lady heard about Jesus. And when she heard, she heard about him healing. She heard about the various things that people were talking about this man was doing. And all of a sudden, her hope tank began to get filled. And she began to say, wait a minute. What if this same Jesus who just healed this person over here of this or healed this person over here of that or healed this leopard or just raised his dead? Maybe he can heal my issue. Maybe he can take this away. And then she said, well, you know what? Oh, if he if I could just touch his hem, that's good enough for me. If I can just touch his hem. What she didn't know and understand was that. When we have that type of faith and we just say, Lord, if if you could, if I could just touch the him, she reached out with her faith even before she met Jesus. There's no time and space in the spirit. So when we make a decision to move in faith, our faith doesn't just stay with us. It moves before us and it goes before us to make contact with who? With Jesus or what the thing that we're believing for. And so as she reached out in faith, already touching the hem of his garment in faith, she said, I will be healed. So she goes and she reaches out 
and she touches him. Now, mind you, because she is unclean and she is deemed unclean, there is a fear of man at stake. There is a, a fear that somebody's going to see her and scream at her and yell at her and say all kind of messed up things to her because she's coming into community and she's deemed unclean. So she has to push by faith past what people may say. She, people may start screaming at her. People may have started saying things to her. People may have looked at her funny. And she had to push past that. Sometimes we have to look, we have to set our heart so strong. Like David said this, I love this. In Psalms 112, David said, my heart is set on you. It's fixed on you, oh God, that I'm not regarding the trouble to the left or to the right. That woman's heart was set on being healed. She was set on Jesus healing her and she was not regarding uh, the men saying anything or women saying anything or anybody scoffing at her, or calling her unclean or even stoning her. Because I know that they could sometimes even stone them if they were deemed unclean, came into community. So there was a fear. Well, should I do this or should I not do it? And she was like, no, I'm, I'm all the way in. I, I'm, I'm at my end. Because if I don't get healed, I'm going to die anyway. So I have nothing to lose. There's a part in faith where sometimes it requires you to take what? A risk. A risk that challenges you. That's what faith means. Taking a risk. And that's what she did. She took a risk. She reached out in faith and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And she and the virtue left him and went into her. And she was healed instantly. Amazing. But the, here's the beautiful part. Jesus could have said, oh, somebody touched me, virtue left. Okay, cool. That's okay. You know, no big deal. But Jesus didn't. Jesus turns around. Who touched me? And there was a reason why. Because that lady needed to know that her faith made her whole. So Jesus turns around and when she uncovers herself and says, it was me that touched you. Jesus tells her, he says, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you whole. Why he tell her that? Because that right there was going to be the, the stone, the cornerstone of her walk. She was now going to have faith to believe God for any and everything. And she would know that if I just believe in faith, I'm going to see the evidence of things that I'm hoping for. So Jesus tells her, it wasn't just me healing you. It was your faith reaching out, making contact with what's already on me. Are you guys getting this? I hope you are. So that woman had to push past the potential of people saying anything to her. The next person we're getting to, it's interesting because this next person we're getting to was interwoven in this story. This guy's name is Jairus. He's a religious leader. And while the woman uh, of the issue of blood is being healed by Jesus and Jesus is addressing her, he turns around and here's Jairus. This religious leader comes up to him and he's saying, Lord, you know, my daughter is dead and I need you to come. I know that you can heal her. He tells him this. I know that you can raise her up. So Jesus comes with him and they begin to walk. And I know that sounds like a lot of us. We we start out believing like, yeah, God, if you just show up, if you just come, I know Jesus can do this. But sometimes things will come to see what you truly believe. Are you truly giving, are you giving lip service? Or are you really speaking from the heart? Because if you're speaking from your mouth and saying that you really believe, trust me, situations will come to challenge, to see what you believe. 
James said this. He said, your faith without works is dead. So if you have no works then I, and or you have no fruit, how do I know you really believe what you believe? The Bible says, know them that labor among you. How do we know them that labor? We know them by what? The fruit that they bear. Jesus said, no good tree bears bad fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. No bad tree bears a good fruit. So there's no mixture in Jesus. It's either yes or no. And he says, but if you're going to know anybody, know them by the fruit. Know them by the things that they do, the things that are unspoken. There's an oath. There's a saying in the natural that says actions speak louder than words. It really does. It really does. And so Jairus is on this journey. He's headed back to his house and some of his servants come back and they say, you know, master, don't trouble the teacher. Don't trouble the teacher. The do your daughter's long gone. She's dead. There's no hope. Some of you been told, don't even bother Jesus. Why, why even ask Jesus to do anything? If this situation is dead, it's over with. You should just move on. But there's a part of you that believes that Jesus can raise her up. There's a part of you that believes that this is not done. This is not over. You can get up this. You can get She can get up from this. Don't let anybody steal your hope or steal your faith away by their unbelief or by their inability to see what you see in the spirit. Don't let nobody rob you of that. If Jesus has not told you it's done, then you continue to believe until Jesus tells you different. I want you to stand firm in that. We have to because our breakthrough, our, our, our lives depend on it. It really does. It really, our hope depends on it. So they tell him that. And then Jesus says to them, he tells Jairus, he reassures him. He says, don't worry, have faith in me. So Jairus is re, re, refueled. Okay, okay, Jesus, I'm believing. And they get to the house and he sees all the people the Bible talks about they have professional people who were professional mourners. That's funny. It is kind of funny. People that professionally mourn for a living. They, if you wanted somebody to really make a sad party or make a, a really sad party, you just call these people. They would come and they would mourn and they would mourn and they would mourn so bad that they would suck. They would suck every happy thought or every happy energy out of the room and everybody would be sad. I know that's kind of funny to think about, but yeah, that's what the Bible says that, uh, that these guys were professional mourners. So Jesus says, don't worry. She's not dead. She's asleep. Right away, the people laughed, jeered at him. They scoffed at him and everything. People of God, this walk of faith that we're walking. Remember, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. That's just to describe where our God is and where we are. Is it supposed to stay that way? No. On this walk of faith, you're going to ascend to where he is. and He's going to make known his ways, his thoughts unto you so that you can see Life, the way he sees it. Can I tell you, you can do it here in your body right now? Yes. Let me give you an example. The, in the Old Testament, the servant of uh, Elisha was uh, woke up one morning and told his master, he said, Master, we are surrounded by like 30,000 uh, opposing enemy, you know, and what are we going to do? And Elisha tells his servant, don't worry. There's more with us than against us. Uh, his servant looks at him and says, no, there isn't. There's more against us than with us. 
here's the thing. In the natural sense, without Jesus, we see in part, like Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, he said, we see in part, we prophesy in part, we see in part. We as human see in part. But with the Holy Spirit, who sees everything, we can see what he sees. And that's why we're never, we're never to engage something in our own strength. That even though if we see it, we, would, we should know that, okay, it's still, to God, it's still possible. And the moment you link your faith with him, God will then give you eyes to see what he sees. And you're like, oh my goodness, Lord, I would have never saw that. You're right. Well, here's Gehazal. His, sir, his master turns to him and he tells the Lord, he says, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see what we see. In that moment, the Lord opens his servant's eyes and he saw the abundance, the, the armies of heaven on the mountaintop surrounding this big army that was against him. And he saw what Elisha saw, what the Lord already knew. So you can see Paul's prayer to us is that the eye, that our eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. I pray for you that your eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would be able to see that there's more with you than against you, that you would be able to see when laughing and laughing at you because God has told you to believe something that for others is just crazy. There are things that God is going to say that man doesn't understand, that you will understand because you're walking this walk of faith, I'm going to challenge you. So remember when I told you, Jairus said to Jesus, I believe you can raise my daughter up. Can you come? Now he's confronted with the, the people that are at his house telling him after Jesus says, oh, don't worry. She's just asleep. She's not dead. They scoff and they laugh at him. Oh, you must be crazy. That girl is dead as a doornail. Now, does Jairus believe Jesus or does he believe what people are saying? Some of us are in that same place where we're being challenged to believe God and what it looks like. It doesn't look like what God has told us yet. I love this expression. If it isn't, if it isn't good yet, then God's not done yet. I'm going to say that again. If it isn't good yet, then God's not done yet. Where does that come from? It comes from the scripture that says all things work together for the good of them who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. So if all things work to our good, and if it's not good yet, then God is not done with your story yet. Keep believing, keep hoping, keep trusting in him. And so Jairus, so Jesus at that moment puts all those scoffers, all those negative people out of the house. And it was just him, Jairus, Peter, James, and John. Some of you need to take note from Jesus. Some of you got people in your life that truly don't believe like you believe and you need to put them out your life. I'm going to tell you, unbelief and doubt will kill your dreams. The Lord spoke to me one time early in my walk. I was having trouble believing God. And one time the Lord said to me like a stern father, he says, son, do you know your faith is stifling? And I was just like, oh, my, no, he said, your unbelief is stifling. That's what he said to me and, and shook me up. It hurt my feelings, but it, it shook me up because he was basically saying, son, you will not see anything happen. Do you know people, Jesus, Jesus hometown barely saw any miracles because they didn't believe in who he, he said he was, who he said he is. They didn't believe in him. And because they didn't believe and they just received him as the carpenter's son, that's all they were able to get from him. 
but as many as believed him to be the one who we, we were waiting for, gave he the power to become what? The sons of God. I'll tell you, never reduce anybody. If you see a prophet, you receive him as a prophet. Even the Bible says, if you receive a righteous person in a righteous person's name, you have not lost your reward. Always honor and regard people for who they are. I'm, I'm moving. I'm keep this moving. And so he puts her, he puts everybody out and he raises that woman up, that little girl up. Let me tell you, there are people that will tell you that life is over, that it is dead, that you're wasting your time. Why bother Jesus? But let me tell you, Jesus can take a dead thing and speak life into it and cause it to live again. Amen. That's the God we serve. It's the type of God we serve. We're moving right along to our last person. This woman was a Saphonician woman. She's a Greek uh, woman ethnicity. She's a Gentile. Gentile meaning she's uncircumcised. She's unclean. She's she's sinful. She has a very sinful nature. And so she, he, Jesus was passing through her town. And as he was passing through, he hid into somebody's house because he was trying to avoid the crowd. Just, you know, trying to settle yourself. Can you imagine being an itinerary speaker and you just go to a restaurant and you're so well known and you're just trying to have a bowl of soup. And somebody walk up and say, hey, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, man, I love your ministry. I love what you do. Can you just pray for me? And all you want to do is have a quiet moment and have a bowl of soup. Can you imagine that? That's how Jesus felt. Is it wrong for him to want to just have a bowl of soup? No. He, he wants to have a bowl of soup, but Jesus loved people and he wanted to minister to them. So the Bible says as he left that house and he was moving, this woman hears of Jesus. She hears about him. She hears about him. Her daughter, who was demonically influenced, has been oppressed for a long time and she's needing some help. So she comes to Jesus, sees him, Lord, falls at his feet. My daughter is demon possessed. Can you help her, please? Can you free her, please? I know you can. I heard about you. And Jesus tells her, it's not me to give the children's breads to dog. What he meant was that he was sent to the to the covenant children of Israel. It was his job to go to Israel first. Eventually, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that he meant to save everybody. He gave his, God, he gave his son for the whole world. Eventually, she was going to be saved, but it wasn't her time yet. It was Israel's time. And so he says, I am a good dad and I'm a, I'm a promise keeper and I'm a covenant lover. I got to give the children's bread first. And he says, it's not me to give the children's bread to dog. And so this woman is looking, and I know some of you have read that and thought, man, Jesus called this woman a dog. That's kind of messed up. <laughs> you know, there are times when you have to push past being offended. That woman could have got offended by being called a dog. Now, let me understand, let me help you with that term dog. That term dog was, was describing the nature. This was describing her sinful, homeless nature you know a dog is a is a per, a dog is described in the bible as one that will run back to his vomit do you know a dog naturally will lick his own vomit up after throwing it up i know that's disgusting but it's the truth that's the sin nature the sin nature will throw something up and then go back and eat it up if they don't get their nature changed and so he's describing her nature that it's not yet for you to receive the children's bread because you're not a child yet I got to feed my children first. 
Let me tell you, friends, would you feed your would you feed somebody else's kids over your kids? The Bible even says that if a man doesn't take care of his house, he is worse than an infidel. It's the Bible says. But Jesus is that type of lover. He is going to take care of his own. But here's the response of a lifetime. This woman didn't allow the offense, the offensive word to offend her. She pushed past that and she says to him, you're right. But even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the children's table. And it was in that moment, Jesus turned around and looked at her and said, as you said, so it shall be done. And her daughter was delivered in that moment. In faith, she pushed past being uh, pushed past offense. She pushed past hearing words. Some of you have heard words about yourself. Oh, you serving Jesus? What are you serving Jesus for? You steal this. You're still this person that's got this addiction. You're still this drug addict. You're still this alcoholic. You're still this, that, and the third. And that woman didn't allow that word, her nature that she was up under to stop her from getting her, her blessing. I, I wanted to say, even go a little bit further, that that woman received something herself that day because of her faith. I just want to encourage you, and I give you these three people, they all had to push past something, and it's only through faith that you can push past it, that you have to set your heart and be fixed on Jesus, not regarding the fear of man, you know, opposition or obstacles that will come your way, because they will. And they will challenge to see what you believe. But I guarantee you, but if you reach out in faith and continue to lean in with all that you have, I guarantee your faith in Jesus will not leave you barren, will not leave you empty. It will, you will walk away satisfied because he is the bread from heaven that will quench your thirst and satisfy your hunger. I'm going to pray for you right now and I'm going to land this plane right now. I'm going to land this plane right now. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I just pray right now that you, Lord, would touch each and every person at the sound of my voice, that you would give them hope and you would give them faith. And I pray right now that the things that they're trusting and believing you for, that they're standing for, Lord God, that they would see it, Lord, that they would see it in the spirit like Gehazel did, that they would see that there's more with us than against them, that they would see that they're more than a conqueror, that they'll see that their faith in you has caused them to overcome because the one whom they believe overcame everything. Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you right now, the mountain that they are facing, Lord God, that you will level it for them in Jesus. Jesus name and they will walk across it shouting grace 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 I pray right now that them right now that are in the valley if they stay low you will lift them up higher than the mountains and you will take the mountains and make them valleys father I pray Lord and I plead the blood on them Lord and I ask that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and I pray that father that they would have wisdom and revelation and a knowledge of who you are I bless them Love them, and I see you next time. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in his sight. Our Lord, our strength, he is our redeemer. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Happy Pentecost.